Today's episode of the Live, Cure, Die podcast brought to you by Tactical Distributors. Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off all this great stuff. A reversible coat, sweet-ass t-shirt, and they just sent me these summer shorts. Oh, my God. Can we get this out of here? We can. So, these shorts, they're breathable. The boys, they're cool as hell. They're short. They're not too short. They're not too long. They're not Daisy Dukes. They're not Dirty Dukes. They're just right. So, Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off. Flip-flops, bags, shirts, pants, everything you need. They got those panties. What are those? Uh, the, the, the tactical brief things. They're so comfortable. And your junk comes right out when you need to take a pee. Holla. Damn, Jay, it's good to be back. I know. No one got my my rap references when you weren't here, so. Yeah. I was, like, well, I was talking to a wall every time I was speaking. <laughs> Did um, I appreciate me having to flush my goldfish when I came home. Like, how hard was it to sprinkle some food in there? I did. I sprinkled all the food in because I knew you'd be, <laughs> oh, I knew you'd be oh, gone that, for food. That's, that's how he died. All right. Well, Jay, we spent a couple weeks out in Wyoming, and not one true drone crash despite your bullshit commentary my man landed it in a tree and thank god he wears spandex like spider-man he scaled the tree got the drone no damage no and we continued to shoot incredible video i didn't even know if it was true i just heard a rumor and that's all i could say i wasn't there but my man owned it so i think it's true i think he landed the top of the tree but we had some elevation change there i think he hit his limit i don't know is that what happened yeah all right, so today we have a special, special guest. Ooh, two specials. <laughs> are they are at Nine Club? They nine three now? Three. three. Have a special, special, special guest. <laughs> yeah, there it is. Our man, the best alias in the business, Tom Smith. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, it's yeah. so good to see it's you. It's good to be here. You're so good to see <laughs> you, man. Um, so Tom is a veteran of our armed forces. Works in the industry now, and we go back a few years. And I think most importantly, we'll get into all your other shit, but my man is the new official, official, official. Uh, yeah, official <laughs> um, auctioneer of the Special Operations Care Fund charity. And I'm going to say you're taking, uh, what's our man? Jeremy Morton. Jeremy Morton. He's out. He's benched. He's like Jay when you fucked up in another <laughs> podcast and we had to bench you. Jeremy's benched because Special Operations Care Fund, so our man Dave Kramer and a couple other guys, Griff Griffin, uh, Mr. Money, started it. Yeah. Uh, Those are all fake names, by the way. Not as good as Tom Smith, though. <laughs> but but um, 100% pass-through. Nobody takes a penny from the money raised there. What a special group of guys. Absolutely. And a shout-out to, I mean, there's a whole bunch of benefactors that support that. But, you, you know, the Kathy family, Chick-fil-A, shout-out to them. They are always there spending dough. 
um, helping guys out. But it, it's a, a charity that we've supported since Dave started, Dave Kramer. Shout out to him. He works at Magpul now. Um, and has devoted so much of his time and energy to that and raised millions of dollars for special operations guys. And they do everything, which we talked about a bunch of times, but uh, marriage counseling, brain trauma, uh, addiction, uh, just everything there is that they can do to help guys in special operations where they need it. It's an incredible organization. So they do a couple, well, COVID, they just did a couple, but generally three or four live events a year where, you know, we donate product. Lots of great industry companies do. Um, There's all kinds of awesome stuff. Like Caleb Cried usually donates some cool stuff. Lots of companies do. And it's auctioned off. And you being the special, special, (laughs) special official, replacement i mean it's like you you were like bill walton you, you and i love basketball so remember, yeah. remember in the 80s like bill walton best six man he went they win championship he's six man of the year you come in off the bench when jeremy is like too busy to come he, he had to work he had to work had to work. I, yeah. his boss was in the audience he didn't have to do shit he technically was yeah oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah so so you do it and i'm gonna say not what's the proper way to phrase this you were not the Technically the most proficient auctioneer I've ever seen, but the most charming and by far the most effective because in one night of just some doodads that us industry people donate raised almost $1 million that is straight pass through to the guys. Right. With you being the auctioneer. Let me tell you what this crazy son of a bitch did. So there, there's some fine, we'll say older lady there in the audience. She, she was after the auction was over. Yeah. Auction was over. Who, I was back in the audience. Who, um, so it started back up once it was over. And she says, uh, I think, I think she her had, husband. Oh, it was her, her husband. husband yelled out, oh, this is, I'll pay $5,000 for Tom's shirt. So my man was wearing a hideous Tom Selleck shirt, a Hawaiian, kind of like tight. the shit you wear. <laughs> it's, uh, it had his lovely wife, Christie's face on it. Right. Right, didn't it? So the center of all the flowers was Christy's face from our wedding. So weird. We got married in Vegas by Elvis at SHOT Show, by the way. Now it makes more sense. Now it makes more sense. We can go into the whole wedding later on because I did get married at SHOT Show. Uh, But she was in the middle with pink hair doing this, you know. (laughs) And and they ended up paying six grand for it? Six grand. So the the gentleman yelled out, I'll pay $5,000 for Tom's shirt, and I thought he was kidding. And the... A uh, gentleman that may have been overserved at the table next to him said I'm not 50, 500 and then somebody said six grand. So I took the shirt off, as you saw, gave her the shirt. And actually, after that, the auction, that's commitment. It's commitment. commitment. They gave me a stock F T-shirt to wear later, <laughs> you know, for the rest of the night. But I took it around and had everybody put call signs and oh, stuff like that. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So she she got kinda, it, kind of like her bottle, kind of like there, a bottle, the bottle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, that's awesome. So yeah, to to end the night, six grand for it. Well, for, it, with the exception of Christie's face, one of the ugliest shirts. I've, well, until <laughs> until today <laughs> that, that I've seen. I have a replacement shirt, shirt though. Christie uh, got me another one. It, it's a different it. pattern with the same picture of her that's on awesome. it. And I I thought about wearing it, but I, you know yeah. that was my mistake. You you invite me back, I'll bring that shirt. Yeah, <laughs> that's a deal. You know, th- this is, um, we donated a fix that was fully kitted. Loophole donated a scope for it. We had an Atlas Bipod on it. I think uh, Jumbo Shrimp Silencer, London Bridge gave a little backpack case for it. So it's a nice setup. But what what did it bring? 30, 
$36,000. Yeah. I thought it was like around there or more, yeah. I thought. Yeah, I, I know, like, I even bid on it. Like, yeah. it got to like eight or nine grand at stall for a second, and I, and I was like, I'm standing there with the mine. I don't think I was overserved, but that's up for debate. And I was like, I would pay that for that gun. She was like, <laughs> she's like, you should. I said, you're right. I should. And I'm like, you yeah. know, 10 grand. But, you know, I, I was like, broke motherfucker compared to some of these guys. Yeah. Yeah. But then when I realized, like, they weren't going to let me outbid them, I was like, okay. And then I bid again at like 19 grand. And then I think I bid at 28 grand. I mean, and now looking back at to buy one of my own guns, I could steal for free. <laughs> and, and, uh, but I didn't, it went for like 36,000. And then, um, you know what? And then happened at the end, like you got a, a honey badger. I did. Um, so, so they wanted to remain anonymous, but, um, they absolutely anonymously wanted to donate that and 15 grand and, like what a bunch of cool people yeah so you end up getting uh for your services that night not only did you raise the most money ever so jeremy just stay on the bench tom raised the most money ever in one night for sock f being the auctioneer i think you're the whole reason it happened and you got a honey badger pistol I for did. your hard work how great is that that's the way america should work right there <laughs> like, I, I think it was more the the donors than me i just happened to be uh facilitating a good time you know oh he was great <laughs> Like, you'd have two of these dudes who are probably billionaires, like, bidding against each other over something, Tom be like, you're really going to let him, like, outbid you <laughs> in front of your wife? <laughs> it, was, it was really great. I think it's more effective than that normal, like, how do you do that other auction? What's that stuff that Jeremy does? How do you do So, that? Jeremy actually went to auctioneer school, and, and my, I mean, you actually have to warm up to do this, because oh, yeah. he can go, fire it off. can I get five, can I get five, give me five, give me five, give me five, and I can't do it, and that dude... I mean, he, he's got his cowboy hat on and everything, and nah, I couldn't do it. Hawaiian shirt, Christy's face on it. <laughs> <laughs> effective. It's all Very effective. Sometimes you don't know till you throw. You right. know, you got, you got, you got to, you got to try. Um, so it worked. But man, that was, that was one of the best yeah. events I've ever been to. There were over 50 guys from special operations there, um, you, you know, r retired, uh, active, um, it's just it was it was great to see and such a great response and during COVID I mean it was just a great time. The special operations care fund I mean they do I know you guys have, have hit on it but they do so much for so many people and and all the money like you said pass through. Not a single t person takes a paycheck. Not, nobody slice. takes Nothing. a paycheck. All they all they pay for is internet is website fees right, yeah. you know and and everything else is donated. It's just a great group of people being great Americans. Yeah. Know? I mean, and donating so much time and energy and people who are successful and they're donating time and energy to this right. in, in such a selfless way. And yes. So then, I mean, for me, it's, it's super, it's super captivating. They're willing to do that. And it makes me feel like, like Dave Kramer makes, it reminds me I'm not a good person. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, like it's like, I need to go to church. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, great organization. So a lot of times when, when and, and we do it a ton, it happens a lot every month. People say, ah, oh, it's, it's a year wait. And I'll say donate five, depending on what is $500 to special operations care fund. Yeah. And they'll do it too. Or, or 300 bucks. And they do it send me the receipt and the dms and bam you're next on the list yeah. and and like that's all it takes sometimes all right let's talk about a, a a young tom smith all right so you grew up uh in northern michigan no, i'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> i mean could you tell by the accent yeah <laughs> yeah so so what's what's your background and all so um 
depending on how deep you want to go. Let's go back to childhood. I, I have because uh, I, I want to start with childhood because okay. I got some questions. For so you. I grew up in a little town called uh, Dardanelle, Arkansas. I've never heard of it. Sounds made up. Well, too. we Just have like uh, we have a couple of claims to fame. One is me. That's a joke. Nobody knows me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, two is uh, I don't know if y'all Senator Tom Cotton. He, oh yeah. He's he's from my hometown. Oh he is. And uh, you know, like my cousin was best friends with his sister and stuff like that. And then uh, golfer John Daly. We all are uh, you saying yeah. that's something yeah. to be proud right, of. Right. Like, yeah. Cotton. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. John Daly. <laughs> John Daly. Yeah. You got the best golf. I, I wish I could play golf, but you know. I mean, y'all got the best golfer, right? There, we do. John Daly, Absolutely, man. we do. You know, because he yeah. he likes to get down, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, it's the reason he's not golf king of the world. Right, right. Because he likes to get down, man. But he did okay. Right. Yeah. yeah, he made it, man. He made it. Yeah. He's still making it. Yeah. Doing it up. I'm it, jealous his of his own pants. Way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, did it his own way. Yeah. yeah. What a wild man. So, so. I, I, uh, I played basketball all through high school. Love playing basketball. Ended up taking, out of all things, a cross-country scholarship to uh, Arkansas Little Rock. I did one semester, figured out that I'm not really cut out for college, and I need some discipline. So I joined the Army. Uh, I actually had a ROTC scholarship, and I could have been an officer, and then realized that... Uh, You're not a dickhead. I'm not... <laughs> yeah cut out for that either you know <laughs> yeah. and uh it's a lot of rules a lot of rules and stuff uh and then uh i joined the army your family you, you, military history um so like all my, my granddad on my father's side world war ii and then on my mother's side they they were all cbs and and oh. and marines in world war ii like yeah. island hopping, but we cut out the generation, you know, everybody else like, Hey, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, they, they were doing other things. And then I, I always had, man, I played GI Joes and, and stuff like that. I was always really interested in, in I, I consider myself a patriot, love yeah. my country. And, yeah. and, uh, the army was always just a natural fit for me. And, and when it was time to gather some discipline, then I, I realized like, Hey, that that's going to be a good thing for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's pretty good self-awareness. Yeah. Well, why the army and not the Marines? Uh, they, I, mean, I told you yesterday, family. that was a lot of pull-ups. Can you see <laughs> I'm no good at pull-ups. <laughs> mm. I wanted to, I wanted to be, and, and it's the cadence. I wanted to be an airborne ranger. And, and they oh, don't like have the those in, in Marine Corps. So, no. you know, I, I, I became an airborne ranger. I took the long road to do that, but, you know, I, I uh, eventually well, eventually did. So uh, Tom won best ranger. I mean, if you're a part of something, you want to be the best at it, you know, and, and a certain, somebody. A I, certain I group of people do. <laughs> right. And I didn't, you know, I didn't think that I, I, I saw some of these guys that competed I was like, man, there's no way I could compete with those guys. I'm 25-year-old 20, kid, and uh, some of the guy, my partner said, hey, man, you're going to be the pack mule. Best Rangers yeah. two-man team. So uh, my my partner, he he had competed three times oh, in, in the 82nd. So there's there's a lot of str strategy that goes into that competition. You know, there's there's – certain weighted events you get certain points for them well i'm a kid i don't know anything about that he'd say put this in your ruck and follow me okay 
and and that's what I would do. Uh, I mean, I I was physically fit. I had a, now everybody on my team um, in '98, and when I say on my team, I mean from my unit and everything had eventually won. I mean, wow, we, we really? had a coach named Eric White, uh, who may be watching this. He's a he's a, a three gun Ipswich shooter, and uh, he had won. And I mean, we we trained. We were professional athletes for about three months. But the, everybody that that was on that team eventually won the competition. Damn. Yeah. I mean, I, it was it was that. some strategy. I mean, it, it was some strong strong guys. You yeah. know, a couple of them, a couple of them went to brag. Couple of them went to SF. Well, Couple of them became officers. I mean, yeah. Scotty Pippen might not have been as good as he was. He hadn't played with Michael Jordan. That's it. That's it, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's true. Okay, yeah. so yeah, what year did you win that? Ninety eight. Ninety eight. I was uh, three years old. I was a staff sergeant. <laughs> I was twenty five. Years just old. Thought I knew, thought I knew everything about everything, man. <laughs> well, you did once you won that. So so well, h- how long were you at Ranger Battalion? So I, I went from. So I'll back up. I, I wanted to be an airborne ranger, but I didn't really know how this worked. So my recruiter goes, you're going to need infantry training to go be a ranger. Okay. We'll send you to Hawaii for three years. I'm going, I looked out the window in Little Rock, Arkansas. It was an ice storm. I was like, three years in Hawaii? Heck yeah, man. I'll it go. It doesn't sound bad. And, I, and yeah. I didn't realize that there was an actual ranger regiment. So I went to ranger school from there and... Uh, when I re- re-enlisted, I wanted to go to the regiment. They wouldn't take me because I was a promotable specialist. I said, well, I'll just take away the promotable status. And they go, no, not you can't do that. So I go to RTB, Ugh. worked at Ranger School, and uh, I, I honestly believe that had I not won the competition, I wouldn't even have gotten the opportunity to go to rope. Oh, really? So you, yeah. you were tabbed before you were in regiment? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah. So, so I came as a dirty import and uh, and went to Bravo company third battalion and was a squad leader, a platoon sergeant. And, uh, actually I had to work in the S five for while I was waiting on the platoon. I had to work there for about nine, a month, nine months and nine 11 happened. Nine 11 happened. And, uh, Oh, nine 11 happened when you were still a ranger. When I, yeah. So when I was, I was, uh, in, in the S five shop, and and I'm like I'm not a, I'm not a shooter right now. This yeah. is the biggest. You think you're gonna miss the war? It, it, yeah. Well, because you, know, you know this is is all coming to something I want to talk about. Like I believe selfishly and because you right. know we're old that we got to see the the golden era of basketball with Jordan Bird, <laughs> Magic Johnson. We did. And we did exactly. And. If you were in the armed services, like we talked about, we have friends and family members who in the 80s and then after the, the first Gulf War, that three months, right, were, you know, devoted their lives to it, grew up wanting to be what, what you were, and they get there, and you don't fight anyone for a decade. Right. It's like whether you're an F-16 pilot, all you're doing is training. And then you, they get out, they, they to, you know, they get out, whether they retire, they just get out and take other careers, become Delta pilots or, right. you know, whatever, and flying commercial. And then all of a sudden, 9-11 happens. So for guys our age, it, it's if you wanted to be in the military, this was the time to do yeah, it. Because I was going, I told you yesterday, I was getting out of the Army. Mm-hmm. I was going to be a professional triathlete. I was going to go back to college. And, you know, work in the human performance industry somewhere. And then 9-11 happened. I go, 
well, hey, this is what I've been looking for the whole whole time, and, and, and I stayed in. You the know? greatest time in the history of the world, well, the modern world, definitely, to, I mean, be an American and us be at war, like. Yeah, there was a lot of support. Yeah, it seems like a lot that was of a, support. Seems like that was a fairly common thing too of guys like just about to get out or or even got out. Like I heard Mike Glover say he got out like the first week of September and he was in the reserves. Nine eleven happens and he's like, well, now I got to go back. Like I got to get back in. This is what I want to do. We, yeah, we because we're juniors and seniors in high school yeah. when the first Gulf War happens. Right, right. And so then that happens. It's like, oh, but it was very short lived, and then there's nothing. But you could always tell like it was boiling. It was. It, it was the. If you weren't in seventh special forces group doing drug, you know, counter drug operations and stuff in South America, you weren't really doing anything. Yeah, I mean that was know? all there. That's all there really was yeah. going on then. I mean, some stuff like Eastern Europe occasionally, but yeah. all that stuff was very short too, like yeah. Bosnia and all that. Right, a lot of weird time to be in. We had guys that were re-enlisting. They had no equipment. They they were getting. They were so deep into getting out of the army. They had cleared CIF, had no equipment, and I've watched because we were the first ones to go. We we went over in October, and you were still a ranger. I was still went. a ranger when nine eleven. So when nine eleven happened. So yeah. when you deployed, you were still. A ranger. I was still a ranger. I was still a ranger for another oh. another two years after that. Oh. I think maybe a year. Oh one, I left in 03. So we had we had like a lieutenant go out behind the battalion headquarters and gather like 20 privates from or E4s, E5s from around the battalion and they all raised their hand, I do solemnly swear and re-enlisted them and then they went and got them equipment issue, yeah. and, and then we bounced. And I saw a couple of them later on and like they're Green Berets and stuff like that, man. But yeah, that that's that's what went down. It's like we're going, okay, well, I'm not getting out of the Army now. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, it is interesting. You train, you train, you train. I mean, it's like to go back to pro sports, like if you think about, you know, guys who are on teams, like if Michael Jordan had never gotten Scottie Pippen, Greatest basketball player, and, and my heart's with Larry Bird, but Michael Jordan's yeah. the greatest basketball player ever. Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if he had never gotten Scottie Pippen, never won a championship? Right. Like, it's the same thing. Like, uh, you're in the military, ha- Barry you know, Sanders. And nothing happens. It's like Barry Sanders, oh, yeah. probably yeah, one of the best say, tailbacks happens. ever. Never, I mean, come on, the Lions are yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> and he wouldn't leave. And then he's just right. like, like, he's loyal. Like, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> he's loyal, you know? Uh, well, yeah, so it seems hard. like the, the timeline just happened to work out perfectly for you then if you said you were at at regiment for around till 2003 or when right and that's when everything really started kicking off right so right it seems like it worked out See, yeah our generation you it guys you kids suck yeah, us we, we we got <laughs> we got the lakers the celtics <laughs> then the, the bulls and the pistons yeah and we get war, you guys. What y'all got? Y'all got I mean, we Gen X, man. We Gen, Gen X. My wife all the time is like, hey, man, Gen X. We hate everybody anyway. So, uh. <laughs> Okay, so what happens then? So uh, I had to make a decision. Well, how many deployments as a Ranger? As a Ranger, After I did two. two. I did two. So we did the initial invasion yep. um, and then came home and then went back uh, and – by that time, it, it was like I, I was. It was a decision time, so uh, I was either gonna go be a first sergeant or something like that, or I could, you know, go try out for other units. I tried out for for other units, and I went there and uh, stayed at Bragg for from '03 until I retired in '16. Oh, that's a long career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I loved yeah. it. 
Loved yeah, every minute of and it. I, I can't, I mean, what a great time to be there if you're yeah. into it. Yeah. You, you know, because it's not just, you know, as me, because that, that was probably like my tenure within those organizations too. And from my side on the, the, the vendor side, the development of small arms products, right. like ammunition, you know, projectiles, optics, yeah. Well, we didn't so know what we didn't know. Yeah. You know, there were there were so many things that we made do with the best we had. And then, you know, once we identified needs and and, you know, there was funding, the innovation in the military just skyrocketed. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, we were shooting iron sights and, and, and I mean, when I was a ranger, it was a big deal because we had ACOGs. Or, oh, or, yeah, I remember you know, when that came about. Yeah, and, and, and we were, you know, using night vision and, and stuff like that. And then after 9-11, everybody innovated and, and you know. Yeah, once the funding became available right. and, and some of the units like you were in, and it, was, it wasn't really, you know, where everything, it's, it's the thing. I, from my standpoint, being in industry, I... I appreciate everyone that serves but the big army contracts and all that are long and it's very kind right. of basic stuff like it just doesn't interest me at all like mm -hmm. I, I would rather sell real estate or something i'm just not interested <laughs> but um yeah once we get to the specialized units and there's funding available and you're wanting to do new things and things that haven't been done and innovate and like hey in cameras we have they have this sort of you know glass and how mm -hmm. do we get it into an, a, a rifle scope because we need to identify targets at a thousand right. yards or 1500 or 2000 meter like how do we do these things right and that's the stuff I and always then, and then once like you new know, capabilities what, what's supposed to happen is once those specialized units have this technology then it's supposed to kind of get out to the rest yeah, of the military, down, yeah. you know, and uh, sometimes it does. And, and sometimes it's a little bit too soft specific, soft specific. That's, that's yeah. hard to say sometimes. Soft Pacific. Soft Pacific. Yeah. Pacific. South, South Pacific. Yeah, right. Uh, the South Pacific. So we were, no, but I mean, I think you're right. Like, Cause there's some of the things that, that I was asked to work on within these units. And I'm like, because for me, it's it's always like talking about being a patriot. Like I always want to try to do my part. You know, it's like my son. He asked me when he was young because you know his entire life he's been exposed to you guys. Right. Like from the time he's born. You know, you guys are at my farm. We're working on stuff. So to him, it's nothing. Like these guys he grew he grew up with, and he's like, I remember he's like six years old, seven, eight. One time he's like, Why weren't you in the army? And I'm like, Well, man, I don't know. Like I, maybe I should. But I was like, you know, I think maybe like this was my path and I can serve better like running a team that supports these guys with product. Right. Because I'm really passionate about innovation. Right. And, and I really. Because I'm not going to do it. I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask guys like you. You know well, I mean? yeah. because I'm, I'm, I'm not innovative, you know? And, and I think it is like a skill set and yeah. it's like, Oh, of course I would have loved to have done that. And it, but it's like, yeah, it's the path I chose and I like a passion about it. And I think we're able to help make a difference in some way. Absolutely. It's like working with these guys, but it's like, yeah, I want to give them the best stuff and the innovative products. But, but it has been interesting for me, but it's also like I run a business. So it's always been, you know, I'm always serving like, you know, three different things it's like i want to help the military i want to own my own stuff and then the commercial market and it's like most of the stuff and i've said on other podcasts it's like 
whether you're shooting bad guys, you're shooting a deer. That's not a hundred percent crossover, but there is a lot. Yeah. And it's like, there are things for the military. And like, when you talk about even within the military, it's like, there are some things that are special operations specific that doesn't really translate to big army very well. And there's some things there that you guys would do. Some of the things we worked on and a lot of things I just wouldn't work on it because there was no, you know, like I, I'm not a billionaire. I wasn't like, right. I, I, I'm not working off a trust fund. So it didn't translate to the commercial market. So it didn't make sense for me to really work on right. without taking like huge amounts of funding. And it's like, well, you know, maybe that's not our project. Um, but you know, I mean, I like to think, you know, I was really early in my career for the first, hopefully it's the first half, uh, had dedicated my life to silencers and I was very fascinated by right. that. And, you know, I know like your organization very, when I got there, very few silencers were used. Right. You yeah. Know, we didn't do it. Yeah. It just wasn't like that was the a, technology just was not there. It was of what we needed. It would rattle around or, you know, it, it, it and your zero shift was just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and, and you know, some of that in, and I've said it before, but it's like, well, the requirements at the time when the big army writes the requirement, it's for the average soldier. Right. And that doesn't really always translate to, you know, like uh, just the tip. Right. Right. <laughs> As we like to say. <laughs> and, 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 and so trying to innovate those things and make a product that's useful, that'll work. And, and, and you know, there's when you go to these small groups, there aren't very many companies that are ever going to be able to justify doing something just for you guys. No. Because it's so small. Yeah. It's so small. It's tough. But if you pick the right things and it translates right. to a bigger market, then that's something. Because, you know, I learned so much and, and was just, you know, almost gifted so much from, from your unit in particular. It, it, it's We could develop product and it would be exposed to testing that I could never afford. Right. And I would get all of that feedback. So that was very, you know... Th- that was that was very much worth it for me because then I could take all of this testing and all this feedback that I could never pay for. And then I got it for free is the way I looked at it. And then I could, you know, put that technology into a commercial line of products and, and you know, to the benefit of your organization, you guys love that because then it's like, well, you know, it'll continue to be supported and I'll continue to want to do these things. And there are lots of companies like mine that are right. in the industry that have benefited from, from that organization. And, and not just yours, but, you know, in other branches of the military, similar organizations right. that really drive technology. And each group, from my standpoint, is is slightly different and has a little bit of a different focus. And you do different things with each one. And it's been very interesting for me. And I feel very fortunate that, you know, I, I found a passion and uh, have been in this industry. And then there's been so much attention paid and focus on groups like you were in uh you know to achieve certain things overseas and the money was there to develop new product and innovation yeah that's i mean everything like we're looking at the msr rifle over there and yeah i I mean i remember when we first started developing that i mean i was i wasn't up in the shop then but uh i mean what we had was vietnam era technology yeah you know and and it's like hey we can do better we you understand there are things out there in the civilian market there are people out there doing great things why don't we ask them you know what what do we want let's ask them if they can make it 
you know. Yeah, yeah. It became a really interesting time for me because what I loved was the attitude. You know, always, you know, for a long time, I had a cl- close relationship with your group, and it was, well, just tell us what you're trying to do, and let us tell you what we we think right. we can do to support that. Like, don't don't like tell us what to make. Like, that's the mistake. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, your group and, you know, John Clements, who was on the podcast, his group, they very receptive to all that. And it's like, let us go and try and do some things that'll achieve. Because if I tell you what to do, well, I just, I just stopped your, your creativity, you you know, but if I, if I say, Hey man, I want you to do, I want the widget to do this. Well, now Kevin Brittingham's mind can go crazy and develop all kinds of things that maybe we didn't even understand. We didn't know we wanted, you know? Yeah. I I mean, that's always the hope because I think, you know, not necessarily you, but some, some of the guys that were your teammates and, you know, uh, Oh, there's the drinking game. If I touch the mic. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Someone in the comments said new drinking game, uh, drink every time Kevin touches his mic stand. So, yeah. And I think that's the right approach. And, and, but you know it, it's hard. Like I've tried to deal with a couple big army things, and what? Touch the mic. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this should be for the people at home. Right, uh, right. They're uh, not yeah. doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, well, you know, when I see, oh, we're making it for the average person in the military, and it's like I'm not in this for money or to make friends. Right. Like I love the innovation, but thinking about. You know, some of your teammates and friends of ours that were, you know, snipers from Ranger Battalion. Right. And and, and then as and they're using this scope, you know. Yeah. They grew up using this, this little pole mark for fixed ten power and, and mill they, dot. They could deal some death oh, with that thing, man. But they trained oh, with it all the time. All the time. Right. And then like the innovation in optics absolutely that happened as a result of nine eleven. Oh my god. In the commercial market, we're just like reaping the benefits of yeah. it. Um, but variable power, um, you know, Horus reticle, lit yeah. reticles, uh, like just all these things. I mean, you know, and the idea of coming up with better glass and light transmission and being able to identify targets at longer range and lower light benefits everyone. I mean, you're redneck. You like to hunt. I, oh, I yeah. live to hunt. Yeah. And it's like all that shit benefits me now every right. time I go to hunt. Right. I, the first time I saw Horace Reticle, I was I was still in the Rangers, and it was still those guys that you know, and and we looked through that thing and go, what is all that, that? is busy? I can't see anything. And then once we started using it, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine just going back to mill yeah, I, I, I couldn't try to do use it. it without it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, yeah, you got wind. You're hanging out in space. Right, here, right. Like, man. Yeah, maybe I'll it make that right. shot. Yeah. And, no. and, you know, what we found, because back in the day, we were, we we're shooting on ranges and, and stuff like that, and we'll just dial in some wind, we'll dial in some, some elevation. Well, here's the thing. People move. On the battlefield, people move, and, and you, you don't have time to dial in anything, so that horse reticle just, I mean, animals move when you're hunting, Yeah, you know. So. But I'm sure more in combat. I remember asking uh, one of y'all snipers one time, and uh, we were working on well I won't even say it but we we were work, working on something to sort of measure things and identify targets Rulers. and kind of <laughs> and, and, and I said well you know um, the average man's shoulders is this width why don't we use that and he's like 
it's funny when you start shooting at people that don't just stand <laughs> up. <laughs> like that. He's like, weird how that works. Because it was like a thing, like not measuring the shoulders, measuring heads. And I'm like, that doesn't seem like the right thing to measure. And he's like, yeah, funny how people like run for cover when you start <laughs> shooting at them, but they stick their heads out. We can measure it that way. I was like, oh, you know, and like, yeah. so like that never occurs. And it was just that kind of working together when, you know, no, another group, not, not the one you were in, but we were working on some stuff with them and we're trying to make flash hiders and silencers and some different things for them. And we were, um, they brought a lot of their people to my farm and we're going over different scenarios. And, and it turns out this was for a big operation and that they probably didn't, well, they probably knew it. I definitely didn't know it at the time, what they were doing, but they're asking me questions and we're working through things and we're working through different scenarios they had been in. And it's like, well, what are the benefits and what are you looking for? And it's like, well, we pretty much want to know if anyone else is shooting. Like, right. You know, that we don't need the quietest. We don't need this. We just need to know, like, visually and audibly, if it's someone else other than our guy right. shooting. Right. And when they explained it to me, it's like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. Okay. You know, well, right. now I understand. And now we can develop a product that muzzle really flash, suits muzzle your flash, needs. and, and, I need it to be accurate, hide that muzzle flash, and it needs to sound different than everybody else on the battlefield. Yeah. Because let me tell you how I've, it's happened in the past. Bow. I think somebody's shooting at us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh-uh, no, they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not like in the movies. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. There's technology out there in... in I will tell you that I'm, I was some kind of like, there's probably still calluses on my knuckles from them dragging <laughs> around because I, I was always the guy that if I have a piece of equipment that works for me and I'm trained on it, I'm why, why am I going to get rid of it to the point? Like, uh, it's kind of a big army the, of the Rangers. The there. army would the arms room would come down like, Hey bro, you're the last dude that still has this piece of equipment. And I'm going, yeah, I use it every day. It's the best. And they said, we're three gens past that. And I'm like, are you really taking this from me right now? Like, yes, go get your new piece of equipment. Well, the new piece of equipment was amazing. It was just, I didn't want to, to have to figure something else out that, that I was very well trained on. But then you'd get the new piece of equipment and go, well, you're kind of a dumbass for not getting <laughs> yeah. this two years ago. It's, man. Like, it's like me with a new phone. <laughs> right. Oh, it's right. like three generations old yeah. before I get a new one. Right. I'm like, oh God, I should have done this. Yeah. Let's start. Let's, let's bring it down. Okay. What, what, what's the worst thing about being deployed? What are the three it, worst things? Well, come on, man. You can't put me on the spot with I'm putting three. You on the I'm putting spot. Gonna, with three? three? Come on. You don't have to the, say their the, names. The absolutely worst, worst for me was always being away from the kids. Yeah. You know, uh, there, the the second is like you don't realize it until until you're back. So my wife is, you know, she's eight years younger than me, and she would tell me like I was doing this and I was doing this and I was having a good time. So you you kind of miss how how the United States is evolving mm -hmm. with with certain things. And I'm going, yeah, I was deployed. So now it's a joke. With yeah, us. I mean, in those places, obviously, it's a slower pace. Like, right. Nothing happens in Iraq. Well, you know, like uh, trends, trends that the United States, well, you, it's not like I'm going to a bar in, in Iraq. You know, we, I'm not going to do that. So things that would happen, music or, or whatever, I'm like, yeah, I kind of missed some of the evolution of, of social 
society. Yeah, right? yeah, our culture. You missed, yeah. you missed out on NSYNC and Backstreet Boys. <laughs> I mean, <man>. TikTok. <laughs> Honestly, I did. I did. <laughs> but, you know, uh, and and those, those are the two things that, that I, I could say, like, like the kids were absolutely the biggest, That's the biggest piece. One, yeah. And then the, uh, then just kind of missing, you know, hey, I was, I went to see this band. I'm like, I don't even know who that is because they were a flash in the pan yeah. and, and, you know, I never heard of them if they weren't on yeah. AFN. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well, what are what are some of the good times? Well, like, the good, like every day was a good time. Like uh, just the dudes you deployed with, and and just laughing and joking and and making a a, a good deal out of a bad situation. Uh, you got a great personality for it. Well, the mean. thing is, is like everybody. Like all all the dudes you're with, they they have you kind of develop that personality. You can either be an asshole, and and dudes that that are watching this will be like, yeah, Tom was an asshole a lot, <laughs> like, yeah, you know, but we all were. But you know, I I love just sitting there bullshitting with guys, and and some of that, some of that, you know, everybody being an asshole to one another, it kind of kept everybody sharp, yeah. because I would call you out. For, for you messing up, I would call you out and it wouldn't be nice, which kept everybody sharp in my mind. And I could be messed up, probably am, but it kept every There's nobody does that job that's normal. Right, man. And, and, and I, but it kept, in my mind, it kept everybody sharp because they knew I was watching. In turn, I knew everybody was waiting on me mm-hmm. to mess up. Yeah. So it kept me sharp. And, uh, I mean, we, we worked hard and, and, there was a lot involved, but you know, we, we loved one another and, and you know, we'd do anything in the world. That guy could piss me off in a second, but don't cross that guy because you're going to have to mess with same with fraternity. It, right. man. Like me and hours North, yeah. right. <laughs> like Jay drives me crazy. I want to strangle him. You fuck with him. Like his own. <laughs> How could you be mad at him? Oh Look at that guy. Oh my God. Oh my God. Let me tell you the way. Uh, here we go. No. So that, I mean, yeah crashing a fucking drone yeah uh, but now i blame thomas more more angry at him he shouldn't know doesn't bother me well uh, my question like by the time you get to these to these units i, I figure you're fairly into your career uh, you're already in ranger regiment like you're mm-hmm. already established um is there still the new guy shit once you get like i would imagine so but is, oh, it, is God, it different yes. but is it different he's harder i'm there. gonna tell you what man it, 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 it you are always the new guy it doesn't matter that like like you know genghis khan could walk through the door like cherry like new guy <laughs> yeah. you know hey yeah. go whatever but i mean absolutely but but it's it's a more professional right. new guy thing because we know that you you hey man you've been through all this you've you've been tried tried and tested but uh there's always going to be the new guy and and i'll tell you what there there are new guys that were so phenomenal just great guys i'm in charge of them going man i wish i was more like that guy (laughs) super squared away man (laughs) you know uh and and really it, it would be it would be that that way just these guys are phenomenal people and yeah uh, that level you you encounter a lot of people absolutely that are man. so exceptional they i mean you know it's probably anything like if michael jordan had not been a professional basketball player he'd probably be great at like 20 other things right. baseball just 
I mean, if he, he needed de- more practice, <laughs> if he devoted his life to it, he'd yeah. probably be one of the, you know, like Bo Jackson, yeah. like could have done anything in the world. Yeah. And I think in my experience, like looking at your organization and knowing a lot of people and then knowing families, cause you know, I spent a lot of time there and knew a lot of the guys and a lot of the families. And it's like, Oh, well his brother plays in the NFL. Right. Like, you know, it, it's just, if they had not done that, they would have been exceptional at something else. And it's cliche, and we talked about it yesterday, you never had to work so hard to be average. I knew guys that were professional, like no joke, got paid to do triathlons. I know guys that were on the cover of Runner's World. I know guys... Well, that- yeah, I mean, we a guy in your unit that it, ultra marathoner right. uh, like they hold, had to holds change, 100 mile records they had to change the records. death valley race route because nobody was ever going to beat mike's record ever I, it was never going to be like touched, i just heard man. him talk about recently yeah he's got a big old beard now and stuff oh yeah he's, man and he's just but that's another the thing little that, angry dude exactly. yeah just a little dude I would tell that, you can, what, that dude he, he would run a marathon to warm up to run a so, hundred mile race. So what he like, used to do is he, he's he, an alien. He lived um, he lived in Vass, North Carolina, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm going to say that was about 24, 25 miles away from from the building. Mm-hmm. And I would I would come in, and he would have three bottles of water with with uh, electrolyte powder in it, yeah. and it would be sitting on my team room table. And when I saw those bottles of water. I would I would get whether I was on my truck or my motorcycle there were certain places I would drop that water off and because that was just the sign that Mike was running home and he needed water resupply around along the route and I would just drop it and and he would he would run home yeah it would no in sh- July in North <laughs> Carolina man he's just a little country guy he too, he, yeah. he would run 100 mile races and then run 20 miles home <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, just because, and he was a solid, solid. Guy. I mean, just a solid yeah. dude. I mean, man. I mean, so many. We had we had dudes that uh, tried out for the NFL, mm-hmm. got try, got called up two times to try out for the Dolphins, and uh, I asked him. I go, uh, <laughs> so I, I was a new guy trying to build rapport, and he had like a can of Copenhagen in his mouth. Is this uh, Mac? No, 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 Jimmy. Oh. And uh, so he he goes. Uh, he was defensive end for University of Arizona. He goes. Uh, I said. So I uh, heard you tried out for the Dolphins. I'm just trying to meet, be the new guy. And he goes, Yeah. And that was it. Because he has a very dry <laughs> sense of humor, right? Like like he, he dry sense of humor. He thinks he's hilarious. I think he's hilarious. And I said, So. What happened? He goes, you see where the fuck I am, don't you? <laughs> right? <laughs> I go, I go well, but what happened? He goes, well, everybody was bigger than me and faster than me, but, you know, I had the guts. <laughs> right? <laughs> Man, he was joking well, the whole time, yeah, yeah. you know? I don't but, even know that's a joke. You you think about, like, within your organization. Like, yeah. That's probably not an exaggeration. I mean, I'm not saying that everybody was bigger and faster, but having the guts. Like, oh, he it's, did. Yeah, there's probably not too many people within your organization that did not have the guts to yeah. do something. Well, even the bigger, faster thing, like everyone that, granted, like obviously you guys know exponentially more dudes that are high-speed dudes, but like every high-speed dude I've met for the most part is not the superhero, super imposing guy that you think of. They're they're just regular-looking dudes. I mean, way well, a guy that's us. a friend of ours that it was, 
you know, he and his brother both studs within the organization. Yeah. And came back from probably the most horrific getting fucked up of anyone ever. I, you, he ate a lot of bullets. And then went back and did incredible things just to be able to justify being deployed again and went and did that. Mm-hmm. And because um, I think just on one arm, he had 21 surgeries. Yeah. Yeah. 21 surgeries on one arm and then was in his 40s and went back and yeah. kicked ass and it's like oh my god you talk about a tough son of a bitch yeah. and That's you wouldn't look up. at because you know there's all types there's like the dudes that look like you know freaking silver backs and there's the little there's dudes me. <laughs> <laughs> you know there's him and then there's guys that weigh 135 pounds that you think oh I slapped that guy into submission yeah, it's like think, oh yeah. not on your best day man yeah, yeah man think. Um. So, but that's yeah. literally what it is. It's just they're just a different level of tough. Like we talked about it with John Clements. Like Mike Day got got shot twenty seven times or whatever, yeah. and walked himself to the helicopter. Like, yeah. oh, or, or uh, you know, Stephen and John's group in Operation Anaconda got shot in the leg. Like lost half his leg. Mm-hmm. Got a prostate. Went back and deployed. Yeah. yeah. Like. And I know a couple of guys that that were deploying with prosthetics. Yeah. You know, one one was a ranger. You know, you know, and to me, like I, I mean, I have no idea because I'm a huge wuss and wasn't born <laughs> with that kind of disability. But if you're born, let's say without half a leg, and you learn to do it, you don't know any different. But if you are in combat and you are shot in the leg and you lose half your leg, going back to combat, yeah, psychologically, that's a different breed of person, right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a different breed of person. There, there's some dudes that, that I mean, the mental toughness on on some of these guys, and 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 some of it, it's it's all mental toughness. But it's going, hey man, I I won't let somebody beat me, and I'm not gonna let let the guys to my left and right down. That you yeah. know that that's at the end of the day, like hey man, we've got a mission, and I don't want something to happen to my mate because I wasn't there. And I'm know. sure that's the structure and that's kind of the brainwashing yeah. because, yeah, I mean, that's what's going to be successful. You know, you think in regular life, like the things that, that mothers do for their children or to save them, lift a car, right. you know, to save their kids. And it's kind of the same mentality. Yeah. Well, what, um, well, what are some memorable things? Like, let's say deployments. Interesting, memorable things. Yeah, you don't nice, have to talk about nice like stealing rugs or anything. So we don't, I w- I we was, don't need to know about stealing rugs from yeah. embassies. So, <laughs> so we were talking yesterday. Is I, I, I always I made a joke that I was going to write a book. I'm not writing a book. You're not. A, um, you uh, in the navy. I think, yeah, I don't think you're allowed yeah. to. Yeah, I've messed with my navy brethren. Like <laughs> I'm not writing a book. But I said I, the the book would be about no joke, the funniest things I've seen overseas, and it would take a book. The it stories. Literally would take I mean, I could write book. a book on the stories that I've heard from you guys. Right. Oh my god. And, and I go to the, to us. It would be the funniest thing you've ever ha- heard in your life, and to the American public, it'd be, it'd be what like is this. It'd be terrifying oh, yeah. because it'd be like, are you serious? This is the best we've got. These are the best dudes we've got. And the name of the book was just the tip of the spear. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I think, you know, when I said it to you yesterday, it's something I learned when I was probably like 30 working with you guys. It's like all the dudes, no matter what they're doing, they're just regular dudes in their day, you know, yeah. their regular life. It's like, you have kids, you got a woman that's nagging you, you got, you know, some asshole mother-in-law, you got this kid's been a pain in the ass. 
you grew up skateboarding, you know, uh, loving motocross, yeah. you ride, you know, you ride by like, it's all like, you're just dudes. You're just like really good at this, this thing, you know? And, um, yeah, it's been pretty interesting, like seeing it and, and like I see it, but I think most people on the outside, it's like, oh, you know, it's like these guys are cyborgs or something. No, it's like they're no, dudes. They're, they're, they're husbands, fathers. When they're you know? home, they're taking their kids exactly, to kindergarten. Man. They're doing all the stuff. Like, it, it's just a thing. So so my wife, uh, so we met when I was when I was up in the gun shop, right? So I was done deploying and, and this, that, and the other. And, and she kind of caught me on the on the back end of everything. And, and, uh, she goes specifically Rangers, specifically Rangers, but some, some of the other unit guys, she goes, I mean, when y'all get together, y'all turn into the biggest assholes <laughs> on the planet because we're just busting each other out. And she goes, it ekes over my way and I get it. I don't like it, but it's kind of funny. I was like, cause we think we're funny. <laughs> yeah. I was like, we don't think we're assholes. We just think we're the funniest dudes on the planet, you know? Well, I mean, I think within your organization, it's kind of interesting because, you know, from, from a judgmental asshole outsider, like (laughs) the big army is necessary and it's a lot of social refugees, meaning you don't have, you don't, I mean, but it's, I mean, it's very judgmental for me to say, but I think it's like, you don't at 18, some people are having to make life decisions, right? And probably most men shouldn't make life decisions until they're like 40. I'm 48. I still make poor life decisions, <laughs> <I know. man. laughs> But, you know, doing that, and then, you know, you get some guys that are exceptional, and they continue to rise up, and you get like SF, and you got, you got SOCOM, and you got the, you know, the, the units within that. And, like, I, I, you know, I see that, and it's like, well, you know, it's this giant organization that accepts this wide range of people and then you need this one percent to go and do this one thing yeah um yeah so it was interesting to me and so when i hear it and see it and you know been part of some of these things it's like uh yeah you know i get it i can't imagine it'd be like you know if q were sig you know and we had two thousand people you got some all-stars you know you got some guys from your old unit they're there all-stars be great anything they do and you got some guys that barely get a job <laughs> I mean, it's it's yeah, it's like runs a gamut. So you get like all the all stars together, and you're like, God dang, can you believe these fucking idiots? Right. I mean, yeah, I get it. It's it's no surprise. Yeah, and I'm gonna tell you. I mean, I love I've I miss and and there's a guy and and he was my team sergeant, and and I I won't say his name, but he he left the team for a little bit to go to go. Uh, you, you've you've got to leave, um, not necessarily the organization, but if if you're moving up, you have to leave for a little bit and come back to take that next position. But you stay in the building, you're doing doing things. And what he said, and it didn't click to me until I retired, that what he missed the most on being on a team is loading magazines. So sitting around the table, we're just sitting around the table, bullshitting, bullshitting talking about man. who shot best on the last iteration and and stuff like that. And he goes, I just miss sitting there loading magazines. You know? you know what I remember is um, so I spent a lot of time at y'all's place yeah. and, and I would get to go on the range and do some shooting and I got some pretty good stories and I don't know I'll tell them if you if you want to edit them out we will we'll, we'll figure it out man. so so 
I was told one time I was asked to do something special for a silencer for a handgun. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a little, there was a little fella in charge of the unit at the time yep. who was very serious. And I get there and we did these for them. And, uh, you know, he's a badass. Like, I, I utmost respect for him and I yeah. like him a lot as a person. Absolutely. But he was very fucking serious. Very serious. And he's like, you know, so we're on the range shooting and he pulls up in like a little blazer. It's like, bring him. <laughs> Drive okay and you know it's like 100 meters wide and there's targets on and he's like i want you to drive you know and he's like talking to me you know like in acronyms and shit like i'm in y'all's i'm like i don't fucking know what you're saying <laughs> and he's like 10 meters from the targets parallel 20 miles an hour drive like all right and so passenger side on the targets he's like ding 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 yeah. ding 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 reload ding 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 he's like all right you turn other side 10 meters on your side from the target. So he's shooting across, across you. Yeah. All right. Spoiler alert. I was fucking getting to it. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm the I've storyteller. Seen, I've seen this play out. But yeah, okay. So you know it. But I'm not one of you guys. He's like, I want you to lean your seat back. And I do. And he's like, scoot back a little bit. I'm like, all right. He's like, do not move. Do not lean forward. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and I drive. He's like, 20 mile an hour. Blah, blah. I'm like, okay. And yeah, totally. Muzzle right here. He's like, ding. <laughs> and you know, at the end of the day, he's just like fucking with me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm like, fuck you, man. And, you know, and I'm all over there mumbling. And I'm like, I'll oh, fuck him up. <laughs> Pull that shit with me again. I'm like, fuck him. And uh, it was the same thing. I'd be there sometimes. And, and so, like in in the mid and late nineties, like I used to train jujitsu and kickboxing, right. Muay Thai and stuff. And my family's a long line of boxers. Like I've talked about, I think previous podcast. So, like my great uncle Kershaw Brittingham. He was sparring partners in the Marine Corps with Max Baer, who became the heavyweight champion of the world. Yeah. So my entire family boxes, and I'm like the little guy. And so, like, I could never compete. Like, my brother my brother probably could have been a professional boxer, but he's too much of a fucking idiot. <laughs> and, you know, there's a lot of great boxers in my family. and But, you know, I couldn't really compete because I was small. You know, I mean, small. Like, I'm 5'11", but, like, they're bigger dudes. And... So I started taking like Muay Thai and then Jiu-Jitsu because I was t- I'm seven years the youngest, so I was tired of getting like bullied by my family. Yeah. And so like I learned a little Jiu-Jitsu and some Muay Thai. Like I'll fuck them up because, you know, they all box and stuff and they didn't even know how to use their feet. Take it to the ground, baby. Oh, I take it to the <laughs> ground. Like I remember the first day, like I choked my brother and he started like begging me to let him go. He's seven years older than yeah. me. He's way bigger. Yeah. And um, so I did that. And so some of the guys – so. You know, within your place, you guys got like proper jujitsu training. Absolutely. And oh, every time I would go, it's like try to take me down there and like choke me unconscious. I'm like, you motherfuckers. Because we're always going 50%. Everybody, <laughs> oh, hey, we're just going to go yeah, 50%. There's sure. no such thing it's as 50%. It's like, percent. I'm not on steroids. <laughs> I'm 5'11, 195 pounds. Like, I ain't trying to do this. And oh my God, just. We Le- had a guy, leaving there with like we had a black guy, eyes and we had a guy forty two years old decided he was going to be an MMA fighter right when they you know, when our, they our gay out. waiter was you know they <laughs> your 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 <laughs> right. your place stopped him from fighting professionally so so we we had we had this one gentleman that I say gentleman 
You know who you are, fool. He took three fights. In, and when North Carolina allowed MMA fighting again, yeah. he took three fights in one year. So he had to stay in that level of shape at 42 years old and went two in one. Went two in one and fighting kids in their 20s that and was doing whipping it. that ass, man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's hard to be the strong will. But yeah. Um, yeah, also that... Yeah, me getting roughed up. That fifty pounds weight difference was not helpful. No, it never is. Uh, Jiu-jitsu is for the smaller, oh yeah, weaker sure. person. Yeah. Unless the bigger, stronger <laughs> yeah. person knows jujitsu yeah. also. Cro Magnons. <laughs> oh my god, I had some of the worst times ever in that room. All right, guys. So I am uh, sorry to interject this, but my PH, my professional hunter in Africa, just sent me a voice message, and I can't wait to hear it. I've not listened to it. Because then he sent me a text. He's like, why'd you download the fucking app? You're not going to listen to your message. I got that. <laughs> and then I think we should maybe show the video that we made of him. And maybe we'll put it up right now. <laughs> it's beautiful because he's being an ass. So let's just listen to it and see see what the. Hey, uh, I just want to check in and see how you're doing. I see you being in Wyoming, having some seriously good fun there. Um, yeah, I've been watching your thing on Instagram, answering the questions. Fuck, you seriously do not give a continental flying fuck about what you say on social media. It's fucking... Ah, uh, jeez, I'll be laughing. I'll be laughing listening to you answer those questions. Um, I see sometimes you think, like, what the fuck when you see the question, but anyway. Um, but yeah, see, um... Looks like you might be coming back on the 15th of August. Um, I am psyched up and ready to shoot some shit. Um, yeah, I've had a few guys who sort of had like one animal, one animal, you know, sort of, yeah. Anyway. I um, shot 21 when I was there. Looking forward to donning the, the Q shirt again and uh, getting behind some, uh, behind some animals there. But, uh, yeah. Let us know how things are going over there, and um, yeah, we're looking forward to seeing you, man. Uh, it's going to be good fun. And uh, I've yeah, got some clients arriving today um, into Joburg, and then uh, we're chartering from there to the camp um, instead of flying commercial, which is quite cool. Um, but they coming in is a direct United flight now, um, straight to Joburg, no via, via, via all these other fucking places. You can fly straight in. Thirty-six and, yeah, hours. You should be able to bring home. suppressors and everything you need because I'm dead keen to see what everyone's talking about with these suppressors. So, yeah, gonna have a lot of questions for you when you arrive here. But uh, hope all's good there. Keep safe, and we'll chat soon. Cheers, Kev. Oh, what a sweetie! He so, said psyched up. I thought he said sucked up, and I was like, tight. Africa sounds sick. <laughs> Radcliffe Robertson is his name, and uh, what a fucking stud! This big Scottish bloke. Um, oh, I had the greatest time. I can't wait to get back. He's a good time, man. Oh, yeah. You know, it's always like, who's your host? He was my host. He was a lot of fun. You're going to put the video up, though, right? I showed you that video, you yeah. Did. Oh, we should show it now. Boop, boop, boop. We going to post it up? Do you want to <laughs> post it? I think we should. Let me, let me text him. Yo. I'm all about that because I'm not in the video. I miss you. I know you, we talked about it real briefly outside, but uh, you were kind of saying that you're not necessarily like a gearhead, gearhead, but like, did you have a favorite system that, and I'm sure you kind of bounced around between shops or different things, but did you have a favorite system that you were running when you were running around? 
using stuff. So, I mean, we, we got issued a, uh, the 416. Yep. So, and I always ran a, a, uh, 10 inch. That's, that's, I never got the, you didn't use the 14. No, never did. Uh, because I was one of the few people that ran a one to four, Mm. you know, red dot. So I, I get it. You know, you you can reach out there and touch somebody with with that that fourteen. Well, that was but new. I could that actually was a long time ago. See, you know, with with my four power, I could see, and I could. Uh, well, in Wyoming, our buddy Chad with an eight power shooting twelve hundred fifty right, yards. Uh, right. So four and power cut it in half. Even so I could six hundred twenty five meters. Like right, and I, I I could come in a room with that red dot on and and go just as fast as an EOTech, and a lot of people would go. Well, I've got the three power magnifier, and I go, okay. So your dot just became. I think those were what two and a half minute dots. Well, two. Some of them. I mean, yeah. real quick math. Itself. That's a, yes. that's like a nine moa <laughs> dot now. So so I would just turn the dot off, and I have a four power scope mm. that was just as fast with the EOTech, and and I mean that w- that was my jam, man. I did that for for years. I had that same four sixteen from two thousand five to two thousand thirteen. Wow. Never malfunctioned one time unless I was shooting uh, blue tip training ammo, like Serta ammo. Never malfunctioned. Never not That's once. Awesome. Not once. If 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 it malfunctioned, That's it was testimony. because it was because I induced a malfunction. You know where where I I may something brushed up against a bolt or you know I I was putting pressure on a magazine and even then that w- that was very very. Uh, you know, uncommon. Yeah. That that thing that thing like ran it's like a, a good song gun. machine, man. HK yeah. has an idea of what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. they're smart. They're yeah. Right. Yeah, the four sixteen, that's your favorite? No. I mean it, it, it's what I had. That was that mm-hmm. was what was issued and and I'll tell you, man, I, I, I stood by it. But uh I I honestly don't have a favorite. You like the SR twenty five? So I had an SR twenty five. You know, with two barrels, uh, I went through school with the twenty-inch barrel, and but I usually carried the sixteen-inch barrel. And I was telling telling Kevin yesterday that we'd get a cold bore zero and we'd throw clay pigeons out on the eight hundred meter berm, and nine times out of ten, I would drill that clay pigeon. And it wasn't a testament to my shooting, like you know, but it, that that gun, you know, would shoot that i mean sub moa easily and if if it, it was off left and right well that was usually me or or some wind that i didn't yeah. call you know but it, it was a good yeah people gun, talk man. shit on nights but that gun that's that, a 14 and a half inch that's a sub half moa gun. right man yeah yeah i mean that was a they good shoot. shooting gun I mean, there are some that do um yeah there are a lot of cool pictures that have recently come out of Dude's running short SR25s, yeah. especially unit guys. Short, how short? Uh, I would say 14 and a half and shorter for an SR25s. And it wasn't oh, wow. it wasn't like the M110K yet or whatever, but it was just real short. Oh, yeah. And they look cool. I mean, I don't know how well they ran, but they look cool. And that's all that matters. Well, I mean, that's when you get into that stuff. Reliability is number one. Yeah. So and, and, and we were talking about it like. I get it, and and the guys do the extreme long range and mm-hmm. and things like that, and 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 that's your thing. I never engaged anything past six hundred meters because, you know, one, I have to identify them. Two, they're on the move, you know. So so, 
you know, you got to have your leads. Mm-hmm. And then three, I have to make sure they have a weapon. I have to make sure they're a combatant. So me with a eight to 12 second time of flight on a, on a round, it's like, Hey man, that guy could bend over. He could move. He could do all kinds of stuff before that bullet gets there. Right. And then what's the terminal ballistics when he does get there, when, right. the, when the round does get there. So I was always like, Hey man, it's like shooting an animal. Yeah. Like I want, I don't, I don't want yeah, the animal 600 to suffer. 600 meters unless you're really prepared. Right. 600 meters where it should end. Yeah, and I don't, I don't want the animal to suffer. I don't really care about the dude. Hell yeah. I don't know if I should say that. I don't care if we edit that or not. <laughs> but, you know, that, that it's everything. Like, I don't want to I don't want to engage somebody that's not a no, combatant. No, I mean, if right, you know you it's know a I terrorist, mean? like, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. yeah, animal's totally different. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, some of the things apply. Like, like what you're saying, 600 meters... If you train, if you practice, like that's a far shot, but it's not, you know, no. like you can make that shot every Easy. time. Um, yeah. And once you go beyond that, like, ah, uh, you know, that's where, when I first left Remington, we started working on this. So this is a, um, two sixty SR 25, 18 mm-hmm. inch barrel. And for me, for the unit, it made a, a ton of sense or special operations where you're not as restricted with, with ammunition and, you get better hit probability than this a thousand meter gun, mm-hmm. um, less recoil. Like it made a lot of sense, and it seems like people are catching on. You see the commercial market now, where there's two sixty, there's six five. Wind, just wind. I think yeah. so. Um, yeah, so it, so it's working, and so you <laughs> you can have a lighter weight gun that doesn't recoil as much, shoots right. flatter, and you got better hit probability. Um. But, I mean, I don't know. We see in the commercial market now, 6.5 Creedmoor is so popular. Right. And it's no surprise. You just yes. shot a bunch. I mean, I know you shot a lot of 8.6, but. I shot a lot of 8.6. I shot probably uh, close to 1,000 rounds of 8.6. I shot 1,000 rounds of 6.5 Creedmoor in two weeks. Is your blue fix in 6.5 right now? Yeah. Yeah. 16 inch. So, yeah. I shot with that to 1,250 meters. Um, Did you hit it? <laughs> I would have said <laughs> less than that had I not hit it. Yeah, ain't no punk bitch. So we shot out all the way out to 2,000 meters, but oh, I was yeah, using a 22-inch gun because I was a little bit of a punk bitch. <laughs> no, so we shot a lot of that. Um, I shot my 16-inch gun a lot because it's what I primarily hunt with in Africa for planes game. And so, yeah, I wanted to shoot a bunch. It's just nice it. to shoot. 6.5 is so nice. If you're shooting all day, it's nice to shoot not using that big butt and you got a six pound gun it's it's rough to shoot yeah. but you know well 308 compared to the 308 it'll kick your ass oh, if you're shooting it all day. way worse yeah but yeah i shot a lot six five's great um it got a lot of t- trigger time which i think is always important no matter how good you think you are mm. and you know last time when i went to africa a couple months ago i didn't train up as much as i should have and i regret that i saw you work in alternate positions and stuff like that in Wyoming. Yeah, trying to convince everyone to do that. Because shooting prone or shooting from the bench, like, yeah, I mean it's it's great. You gotta get a good zero. But half my shots in Africa were with just unconventional position. And it's hard. You you yeah. You always have to train uh alternate firing positions, you know, because that n- in in the real life, not on a range, that's how stuff happens. Yeah, it is, and like if, if if you know, there's a dude you got to shoot, or there's an animal that you want, and 
Right. They don't always turn broadside, and you're not not always in a place to be able to go prone and shoot it. Right. It's just like not a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't people don't train um, shooting from a climbing stand. You know, in in yeah. S- yeah. southern you know southeast hunting. I mean, we we have climbers, and uh, people yeah. don't train with that. Even archery, they always train from the ground right. but you're never shooting from the ground you're shooting from up there and, and it, it how many stories everything. do you hear of dudes saying like yeah i was climbing up on my stand and i saw three deer right there as i was climbing up and it's yeah. like well if you trained uh, that maybe you could have almost got attacked shot. by an owl one time in a climber <laughs> man i was with a bow and i didn't have i mean you can't shoot an owl <laughs> and i'm about to come out of my stand and, right <laughs> and, and something came over my head and and, and i mean this owl goes like 10 yards away and turns and is just sitting there looking at me and I'm going, dude, this thing will, you know, an owl will they're, kill you. Yeah, they're they will dude. kill you, man. So I've got a bow. And so I just took <sighs> out, a, I just took out an arrow and I'm and, and like kind of came around the backside <laughs> of the tree, you know? And, and I was like, I'm just going to jab him. And he comes up Fortunately, he didn't kill me, you know? <laughs> I killed one with a Range Rover once, got about <laughs> 90. <laughs> but um, it committed suicide. <laughs> yeah, well, it did. It flew. I mean, it even swooped down. Right. <laughs> <Like>, boop. <laughs> Bumper, feathers. Come back next day, somebody tied a balloon, get well soon, <laughs> balloon to it. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I've killed two deer in a climbing stand halfway up the tree before. Yeah. Yeah. And it's never a good position. Because you're trying no. to like bring a knee no. up and do some craziness. One was know? with a bow. One was with a rifle. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, best shot I ever made with a bow. And I think it's because like it was such an unconventional position. And I had to like lean around the tree, do all this stuff. Yeah. And I had to focus on like the shot. And I wasn't distracted by all these other things and made a great shot. And very fortunate. Killed the deer. Only time I've ever heard deer scream. Hmm. Heart shot. Really? Mm-hmm. Never heard one making. Have you ever heard deer scream? No, no. no? Only once when I was hunting, and that was that time. Heart shot him. It was a. It was a massacre. Blood everywhere. He went like two yards and was dead. But he screamed when I hit him. Um. Shot placement. Shot yeah. placement is everything. It's important. Yeah. 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 It was good. I got lucky, but I think <laughs> like it was. It was the most perfect shot I've ever made with a bow. Bow hunting's hard. It is. Mm-hmm. And really um, and I think it was just because I was having to do all these other things and wasn't distracted. Yeah, because I was having to focus so much. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, seeing know. dudes like that's all they do. Guys like like Remy Warren and and Steve Ranella that they'll just go spend three months in the middle of the woods with just a bow and they'll get twelve yards from whatever they're shooting. And th- I mean, they won't get it all the time, but like that's insane. Like you gotta really like hunting to to want to do that. Let me tell you, man. Everybody needs to take up duck hunting. And I know that you're not a shotgun company, but I mean, we all sit here like we are now. We're having drinks, and then all of a sudden, it's like, hey, man, here's some ducks. Everybody shuts <laughs> up. They call them in. You shoot the, the ducks. ducks. Dogs go get the ducks. You go back to laughing and joking like you're doing right now, man. <laughs> yeah, duck hunting's fun. Yeah. Um, I just yeah, I've well, never been. I hate get shotgun. Oh, it's so. a good time. It's a social event social event yeah oh. i always just if pictured you, it like being like turkey hunting where you just sit under a tree and shut up the whole no thing. no you don't have to be quiet with duck hunting Mm-mm. but duck hunting so i've done a lot of poor man duck hunting 
which is not what Tom's talking Seagulls? about. Seagulls? <laughs> That's how you zero your gun when you're over in Iraq. Right. But um, now but we're at to put out our own decoys, and mm. it's freezing, and it's still dark, and you're putting them out there. It sucks. Um, so I didn't tell you about that part. If you're not going to some <laughs> camp, you know, some guided hunt, yeah, you've got to do that. You've got to like break oh, ice and stuff. It's you know? hard. It's hard. If you don't have a dog, you go retrieve all the ducks. Fish net. You know, yeah. if you're in a boat, you get you a, a, a net like for fishing. Like, so 14 deployments. Yeah, man. All right. So when did you retire? 2016. December of 2016. Oh, that's a while. Yeah. Five years. You're working. Everything's good. Like my body? Yeah. Oh no, I'm 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 jacked up, but I keep I keep <laughs> like keep on keeping on. I'm like Joe Dirt, life's a garden, dig it. <laughs> why, why do you think guys within special operations there's such a high rate of cancer? I don't, you know, and there is. That's not that's not even a, a made up thing. Um, no, I mean, could with guys you worked with, I know tons of guys of that guys. are our age that are yeah. dead, and, man, and from that. You know, I think we've gotten smarter on the lead, uh, a lot smarter. So I know you think a lot of it's just the just lead from lead. shooting? I, well, not only shooting, but some of the flashbangs we used to use, I yeah. mean, it was just lead, and you'd run oh, in right. there and, and like, lead. Uh, I, but we've, we, we've gotten a lot smarter. They've, they've taken baseline um stuff when people are coming in mm-hmm. and and kind of monitor that yeah. i think that you know sadly with a lot of the experimental munitions specialty munitions it's kind of like uh, well you know a b c and d we didn't we didn't really anticipate that and honestly some of it is you're supposed to wear protective protective mm-hmm. gear that you may or may not have decided to wear yeah. You know, so sad. I mean, it's a lot of young guys that have passed away. Yeah, good, good guys. And oh yeah, you know, so uh, yeah, I'm doing great. Yeah. It's just your standard knees, hip, back. You know the the yeah. oh you you've just been doing stupid stuff for <laughs> way too long. It's not the years, it's the miles. <laughs> Thing is from jumping. Well, I mean, it could be me jumping because I'm. I'm just going to land like a sack of shit. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of it is like, Hey man, my gear, if I, if I was carrying a five, five, six rifle, my gear was, uh, 68 pounds. I weighed it. That's body armor and, and rifle, no rucksack or anything like that. If I was carrying a 308, that was 74 pounds. Right. So you're, you're in that. How many spare mags you carrying? Just seven. So uh, no, I ain't carrying seven mags, man. That make that make them shots count. Uh, <laughs> I would carry I would carry four mags and one one in the in the well, and then we would we would have like a go bag or, or something mm-hmm. because you just couldn't. There's not enough real estate for everything you had to carry. You're not going out with a big big ass ruck, are you? No, I'm not going out with a ruck. But we would carry we would have a ruck with extra stuff. To resupply. So five, 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 six, you're carrying four max? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, five max total. One in the gun. And I didn't do a, a ready mag. I, I, that's, I'm carrying I eight. That. Yeah. There was always a resupply. Now, if we were going out going, hey, man, we're not going to be out for a while. Even then, I don't have enough real estate on my kit. Because 
there's a compromise. I can I can be weighted down and not move fast. I can't climb a wall because my gear sticks out, you know, six inches from my from my chest and I can't get over a wall. I can't do something. Or I can streamline it, make shots count, but I have a bag that we've carried and we drop it at a breach or we drop it somewhere. But it you have to that's the good thing about special operations units is like we can assess what we need, what we don't need and, and tailor that load for what you're doing. You know, well, how important do you think post nine 11 special forces were composed to big army? Well, I, I would never make that comparison because it, it, it's two different missions. So if there weren't special operations, what would have happened post nine 11? Well, I mean, I'm not a genie, man. I can't say that. Uh, those situations were were for special operations. You know, they they they. Uh, and I'm speaking specifically about Afghanistan. That those are those are like, hey, man, we got tribal people. Mm-hmm. We got people to go in. We we can do A, B, C, and D. Um, Iraq. That was that was big army. Like the, the the thing is, is like it's two totally different missions. There are things that the big army, the big military cannot do that we can do because we're smaller, more agile. Um, we can flex a lot because of training and, and the experience of the individuals. But, hey, man, I, I'm, I'm this many guys. When we need a, a battering ram, I've got third ID over here. Those dudes are coming through and they are wreaking havoc. And it's just, it's, it's what do you, what's your desired end state? What do you have to deal with? And then you choose the correct force for that, for that mission. So I'm not going to cut a cake with a chainsaw, right? But I'm also not going to cut down a tree with a butter knife. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, what um, the terrorist deck of cards? Yeah, man. Well, that 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 technically wasn't terrorist. That was the bath party. That was that was Saddam's regime, mm-hmm. right? So at the beginning, <laughs> that was yes. the goal, and then AMZ came along, and right. Al Qaeda and Iraq happened. So well, let's say the deck of cards. Yeah, a deck of cards. A deck with of some cards. shitheads on it. A so target there's, deck, there's 50, if you will. Fifty-two of them. Mm-hmm. How many of them did special operations take down? Um, are we, now, if we're if we're talking about the Al Qaeda network, we took down <laughs> every one we could find. You know, uh, the the Bath Party network. You know, some of that was conventional forces, and some of that was us, and and you know. Uh, some of it was us that credit got given to, you know, conventional forces because, hey Amen. It's what you do. Like yeah. we we kind of we kind of do this over here, but uh, you know, it got to the point of like, hey Amen. We we will be on you every night. Every night we you cannot rest because we will be there. There will be somebody from the organization, the greater organization. That that includes you know, the the navy and in the army and stuff like that. Like, hey, you you will never rest because it, we will be hunting you. Do you credit 
like um you know the seven to ten missions a night for special operations with being able to stop a lot of these guys and yeah absolutely yeah i mean that's just unbelievable every time every time you would the dude in charge of baghdad for instance you roll him up well you've already got and his replacement everybody right. knows who that replacement is well hey man we're we're going to roll that guy up you know 2 weeks prior or he knows it's coming and and it was a big network disruption and you know it got to the point of like okay the the private that joined al qaeda 2 days ago you're in charge you know in in that that's what it that's what it boiled down to. Do you see a way that special operations does not grow given the um I don't know when this really started mainstream, probably Vietnam where guerrilla warfare and you know, like non uniform forces are opposing us and you have to take on special tactics and operations to defeat them. You know, it's not like World War Two where everybody's wearing a uniform. So <clears throat> Like, what happens from here on out? So, from here on out is, and I'm, I'm no, by no stretch of the imagination in some military think tank, is, is yeah. just what I see, is when we have near-peer, uh, a, a near-peer adversary, and, and that, that means, like, no joke, state-sponsored, and, and I'm, I'm, I would use China as, as an example, mm-hmm. Right. Like special operations, there's things for them to do, but they're definitely not the main effort. It, that is that is like tanks and, and you know all all kinds of stuff. In in those situations, there are special operations missions, but they're they're definitely not the main effort. When you're dealing with when you're dealing with these insurgencies in in smaller smaller scale stuff, well, yeah, that's that's when you have to use special operations. It, it ca- takes an insurgent to catch an insurgent. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's where I wonder, because it does seem like China and Russia are the next adversaries. Yeah. That's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they've always been the next adversaries. And yeah. I honestly, I don't have a security clearance anymore, so I don't know what they got going yeah. on. Yeah. Know? I mean, but it's true. <laughs> but, you know, but then things like whatever, Bosnia pops up. Yeah. You know, Iraq pops, pops up. Um, Afghanistan. Even the small, like the the Abu Sayyafs, the Al Shabaabs, like uh, the smaller groups all around, like those grow bigger. Like, uh, it's a hot well, topic ha- right. Now. How big do you have to be to make an impact? Right. Because like nine eleven, right? Was, yeah. What once once they figured it out? I mean, it was genius. Say what you will. It, it was oh, yeah. absolutely genius what they did. Now I will tell you that like you talking about Al Shabaab stuff like that, there are what. We're not the only country that has interests in other countries. Mm-hmm. So in some of these countries, you have Russians and you have French and you have stuff like that, uh, countries like that that have an interest in that country. And they are intervening because, like, hold on, man, stop. Yeah. You know, you're messing up our money right now. Stop it. Uh, I w- <laughs> the Russians... The, God love them, man. Their tactics are like, we don't care how many civilian casualties we're going to get. We will kill everybody. Everybody. You know, and I've seen it happen. Like, Ooh, dang. That, yeah. that went sideways quickly. You know? I just saw a video yesterday of Russians and Americans 
I think they were in Syria encountering each other. And it's never, I don't think it, as le- as, lo- as far as the record show, it doesn't ever get like super hostile, but they're just fucking with each other. Like they're, it was a bunch of like, it looked like MRAPs driving down the road and then Russian like BTRs and shit came out of the, and they're trying to block the road, just like messing with each other, playing like bumper cars. And it's like, it's so strange because there's that relationship of like, okay, I see you're just trying to be a nuisance, but also we're like kind of, we're ally, but we're kind of adversarial. Like we're, it's a weird thing. And I just, it's strange to see how things will, will progress forward. I don't think anybody wants like, like some huge, you know, cold revisit cold war thing. And this is just me speculating. This is, this, you know, this is just me. Uh, but we're always going to go right up to that point. We're mm. all it's it, and it's a game of chicken. Who's going to blink first? You know, and I have the luxury of sitting here with you guys, <laughs> not yeah, having not to blink about or it. not yeah. blink. You know, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, yeah. It's a hot topic right now, but like with the drawdown and everything, Afghanistan, everything, every bit of progress, whatever progress you want to call it, that's been made in Afghanistan, like. They, the Taliban controls over 60% of Afghanistan now. So it's like, when does it ever, when does it ever stop? But does that inspire those groups like Al-Shabaab, the Abu Sayyafs, like the, do they, did Boko Haram, do they all grow? Do they get bigger? Or do you think it's just, is it always going to be the same? So in, in my opinion, it, what it is, is if I'm a terrorist organization and one, sometimes we don't even know what their end goal is. Mm. Me being a soldier, I always want to know what the end goal is. Like, what am I fighting for? You know, what's the commander's intent? But they know you really just have to outweigh the United States for an election because we'll, we'll, we're, we're Americans, man. Our attention span is like yeah, it's four years it, long. Like, wait, wait, wait. I need a cheeseburger, you know, <laughs> and, and, and like, okay, we're, we're tired of messing with this and, and we'll lose interest mm. and and that's, that's what's happening. That's, that's what happens, you know, but the, the thing is, is that there's still people there doing right. the thing, right. But the American public loses interest. And then once they lose interest and elections happen and funding gets, you know, whatever, you know, wait, now, oh yeah, God! What are you doing now? So we got into all this. You're retired. So now, what the hell are you doing? So, I play a lot of golf. <laughs> I I say I play a lot of golf. I, I you I'm moved terrible. out of Southern Pines. I'm, I moved out of Southern Pines. I live in Huntsville, Alabama. Roll Tide, y'all. Roll Tide. Uh, the uh, I, right now, there's people War on the, on the podcast going, yeah. "Yeah, Roll Tide, Roll Tide, <laughs> Roll Tide, Roll." Um, uh, my wife's doing it right now when she's watching. Uh, I work for uh, True Velocity Ammunition out of oh. uh, Garland, Texas. Uh, I I do I've I've got a human performance company that that you know, uh, part my partner and I uh run. What's it called? Onda Elite. What? Onda Elite Performance. Onda? Yeah. What is this? Name? It's some kind of Greek thing, man. It, it, it makes oh, sense. Jesus. It's on the website. It says what it means, man. <laughs> oh God! If I've been messing with you. My oh, brain's God. like. Oh <laughs> God. All yeah. right, human performance. Yeah, but but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm still in the industry with with uh, True Velocity composite cased ammunition, um, and uh, 
really, man, I am just enjoying being retired. Every once in a while, I'm like, man, I could go overseas and carry a gun for a living again. Man, you too and I'm old. like, my you back hurts. <laughs> I can't do that. Oh, they got Advil over there. Right. I'm going to need some of that ibuprofen. Right. <laughs> uh, well, true velocity, so that's polymer case. Com- we, we call it composite case. Okay. But it, yeah, My it's band. polymer, man. Composite. Oh, man. Yeah. Composite. Been in the news yeah. a little I bit. I got a pigeonhole. Yeah, we, we, we are deep yep. in the news. Y'all doing man. big stuff. We are doing big stuff. Uh, the NGSR program. and uh, So it's the new, like, uh, machine gun. So what NGSR is supposed to replace the, this is the next generation squad rifle, supposed to replace the M4. And then they have the next generation squad automatic rifle to replace the saw. Um, Two forty nine. Yep. Yep. So um, it's in six eight. Uh, and we two seventy. Yeah, you know he he puts the American <laughs> stuff. Yeah. I can't do the math real <laughs> quick in my head, man. But uh, yeah. So so that's what we're doing, and we're we're in my opinion, being very successful with that, we can, um, you know, the, the, what's good about Palmer case. So who cares <laughs> you care. <laughs> the, uh, the deal is like with machine guns and stuff like that, we can lighten the load by 30%. So you got aircraft with belt fed on station. That's a lot you know, with machine that's a guns. Lot of, a yeah. Lot rifles of mate. You carry in four mags, like fucking, Right. Hawkeye so, Smith so over here, who cares? You, but you're you carrying know, a bunch of ammo. So the deal is, like, if you if you decrease a soldier's load by thirty percent, we'll just carry thirty percent more right, ammo. Yeah, that that's just yeah. what happens, you know. But it can, we can load that um, because of the way it's loaded, and and it's not brass. We can do things with composite that you can't do with brass. So is we can load it. As accurately, if not more accurately than uh, hand loads. And you can shape inside the case and stuff like that. We can do whatever needs to be done with the case. So if you you called me up and goes... brass is all turned. Right. If you called me up and and said, hey, man, I need some, you know, eight... What is it? Eight, six? Eight, six. If if you called me up and and said, hey, I need eight, six, we'd go give me some projectiles... And what guns it going to be used in, and you know what's your barrel twist, what's this, and we will we can actually tune that that cartridge to your gun and your desired effect downrange. Prove it. Is it the future? It is absolutely the future. Um, uh, commercially, commercially, our commercial line's coming out. Like it may may already be out. Why ain't you got me some shit? I'm a straight up I killer. Don't, I don't have any. I'm a straight up killer. I understand that. As soon as I get some, you'll have some. I'm promise. I'm so calm of the commercial I'm industry. Call Texas <laughs> right now and be like, "Hey, man, we need to send Brittingham some ammo." I mean, if you In want eight six, if you want some <laughs> shit shot, like it might have walked into range, but right. it's at least limping out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it might fall down. No, um, man, that's exciting. I it, mean, it really is. Is like we because so because the composite isn't a conductor. Uh, your barrel life goes up because it doesn't heat up. You know, it it doesn't heat up. We we tried to do a cook off test one time and we could not get the ammo to cook off. It didn't melt or anything like that. It it, it just would not cook off because the heat from the chamber would not 
make make the round go off, man. Uh, Do you think that the the ammo's been kind of the limiting factor in a lot of innovation over the last however long? Basically, like I know, I mean, y- you talk a lot about uh, the delivery system as far as the shape of the the rounds and the cartridges and everything like that. And do you think that, like you're saying, it's the future, but that's seemingly a limiting factor. And now you're able to do other things. Right. I think more will come from this potentially. So you get smart guys. Absolutely. So you get smart guys, unlike me, that because we can, you don't spin brass, you can control the inner the inner mm-hmm. case, the case capacity. The so you can mold. form it. Yeah. You can you form it going. any way you want. Right. So, so, um, you can make a jet if, if, you know, um, if you made like some, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, concave right, right, I- right. inside, you know, so, yeah. so you can increase muzzle velocity without increasing powder load or anything like that. You can increase the the thickness of the of the case, which makes the inner inner case um, tighter. There, therefore, you get a cleaner uh, powder burn. Right. You know, there there's no you can't hear that right. that yeah, powder yeah. Yeah. Uh, shaking around in there. Man. So then it, it's fairly safe to assume that because you're able to do that, and because you're able to change the both the inside and outside shapes of the the case itself, mm-hmm. that it only makes sense that from that you're going to start seeing different shaped chambers, which means different shaped guns, which means so it seems right. like it's going to kickstart. So the, next the, the NGS, NGSR, the six eight, mm. we don't have a neck on the on the case, yeah, because the neck is the weakest part of of that cartridge. Well, the only reason you have a neck is so you can crimp the right, projectile the, in there. Yeah, since we don't crimp, you know, it just comes up and and there it is so now you've changed chambers you've changed the way the the in all actuality you change the way the cartridge releases the projectile right instead of it being pushed out then it has to be um it just kind of releases it yeah so your concentricity is down to like zero oh yeah yeah i mean uh we we hit standard deviation in single digits, uh, and that's that is uh, machine loaded, m- m- manufactured. Right, right. You know, yeah. uh, so it it's every time I go, there there were certain things that would come up in testing, and and go, we go, man, we didn't even think of that. Right, and and there it is. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, I mean. A weapon, uh, uh, these rifles laying on the table, they're a system of systems. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our, the magazine has to do certain things for it to fire accurately. You've got a trigger. You've got how well is the barrel, you know, uh, made? How is the rifling made? And then how is the projectile? How How is everything, you know, so, so yeah, it spun brass. It's a limiting factor in a system of systems. Right. At the end of the day, we'll take a couple of things out of the out of the equation, and now it we'll get it back to the shooter, and the shooter will go, "Oh man, that was just some terrible." Nah, man, you just kind of suck a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Well, you say single digit SDs. <laughs> like my man is making a shot on eight six subsonic thousand one mil target, 
ever shot. I'm just saying. What was your standard deviation? 30. You don't know. You didn't. Tra- you didn't track it. I did. Did you? I, I don't know why you're talking shit to me like. I'm <laughs> but these were hand rookie. loads, though, right? They were, okay. and we had Doppler, and we measured every one. Mm-hmm. Thirty-five. It's hard. Subsonic. We're doing a lot of. Odd, oh yeah, yeah. Odd things. It's all yeah. So yeah. It, it it'll end up being twenty or less. Yeah. But if I could get single, I could get probably eighty, ninety percent hits at a thousand. It's awesome. I'm telling you, because you know, single digits. long range, reading the wind. That's the thing that's tough. That and that is what it all and comes it back to. Is I can teach anybody. So fast. I can teach anybody four fundamentals of marksmanship. I can teach anybody that. It's when we get into okay. Not only do you have to call the wind. What would you say? A thousand meters. Mm. Okay, it's doing eighty-five different things mm. all the way down, and, and it, it changes. Like two seconds. that, yeah, and but, but you know, at that distance, your max award isn't even the mirage that we're reading down here on the ground. It may be fifty feet in the air, uh, and people don't understand that. Like, hey, man! And then it, it's like, okay, your projectile, what BC, what muzzle velocity, this, that, and the other. Now I've got to do the math to call that wind. And yeah. it just changed. The wind a, reading is is and and you know my man, sixty feet of drop. I, I'm gonna tell you the most most talented wind reader I've ever seen is Emil Praslik, and and that dude's like a like a wind wind speaker, you know. And is it bending? He he was. I I, yeah. I don't know where he is now, yeah. but uh, he's in the industry. But I mean that that went reading the wind and doing the quick it's, it's quick tough. math is tough, man. It's tough. Eight I mean, six is gonna change shit. I mean, you're not from the South, so the Southeast, well, all East Coast. I mean, most of your hunting shots are inside. 300 meters. I mean, I've never Definitely taken a 300 meter shot, you know, in the Southeast. Yeah. Like 100 meters. You yeah. Know, and, they, and they're still ducking behind pine trees when you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it changes stuff. And then, you know, my hope is always for, you know, special operations like, we do stuff that translates, makes sense, and it's right. easier to kill terrorists. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm the most patriotic guy ever, but like, I love America and I hate terrorists. And you know, to me, it's just a choice. It's like right. us or them. Like, okay, let's yeah. get it, man. I'm, I'm all about me. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna let you know, man. I'm all about me yeah, and mine. Selfish. You know, yeah. But but I hope you know we're doing some things that matter. Yeah. You know, and not just on the commercial market. Um. But we'll see. But the polymer case ammo, man, that's exciting. I'm happy for you. It, yeah, man. It's uh, it's doing very well, and we are super excited about it. Um, and, you know, the video you were referring to is what we have found um, is the, the, the muzzle velocity that we need to maintain to accomplish the, the uh, requirement Man, it's a high muzzle velocity, um, and they were they were really concerned. They being the the you know program office about chamber pressure, and what we have found is we can accomplish the the requirement with the uh, same chamber pressure as these, as these weapons here. Yeah, so 60, all you've got to do, yeah. yeah. So so all we've got to do is do a barrel swap. So these weapons here do a barrel swap into six, eight 
and now you have that capability of the of the requirement. Now All that's not to say that's that that's not to say that the NGSR program doesn't doesn't need to go on because we can do the capability with a barrel swap because those are to replace five five six that you know that those still need to go on but in the interim if as we if we want this capability now we can we can like change some barrels on existing weapons and and have this out you know yeah uh, ha, do you have any like do you have a conventional gun chambered in anything for the polymer case stuff i don't I, well i mean i've i've got a six five but i don't have I don't have any six five ammo at the house. I'm I'm telling you the the ammo that we have coming off the the line it's already gone, it's already out there. You know, and our like I said our our commercial line is is if it's not already out it's it's coming out like within weeks. Maybe they need to let you go to Africa with me. We'll shoot some stuff. With I mean that sounds terrible. <laughs> And if True Velocity is watching, it's like I'll be willing. I would. Guys, I would take one for the team. Let's do it. <laughs> like Hornady generally sponsors my hunting. But yeah. If you guys got something new, you want to do it. Oh, I will get after it. Like I will. <laughs> You'll shoot take anything. one for the team. I right? will. Yeah, I mean, I'm a horn. <laughs>